how to stop stress eating and stress snacking, how to increase your intrinsic motivation, how to stop your bad habits using what they call the EATS model, how to lose the weight and keep it off, how to stay patient with the process of weight loss, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 441 with weight loss behavior coaches Scott Schutte and Dr. Janine Steester. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help high character achievers get closer to the best version of themselves so that life is meaningful and impact is possible. One way that we do this is through the 10-week transformation where we help people lose body fat, build muscle, and create healthy habits so that they are a positive role model for others. If you're interested in losing five to 20 pounds in the next 10 weeks, then go to nickcarrier.com slash 10 WT to get started today. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10 WT to get started today. Today, I'm really pumped to bring you guys Scott Schutte and Dr. Janine Steester. Scott is a personal trainer, weight loss behavior coach, gym owner, and fitness educator. He has successfully guided thousands of people on their fitness journey. His education and his experience have led him to work with many clients and also educate other fitness professionals on how to be successful coaches with an emphasis on behavior change. Dr. Janine Seester has been in the field of behavior changes for over 20 years as a researcher, author, educator, and practitioner. She understands the importance of behavior science for client success. Her career is focused on understanding the why behind behavior and identifying clear practices that are both practical and they result in sustained change. Most recently, she has co-founded the Healthy Behavior Institute, which is an educational platform for fitness professionals and gym owners that specialize in behavior modification. Their educational behavior materials provide professionals with a clear system to add an additional service for better client results and increased revenue. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and make sure you share the episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only's Scott Schutte and Dr. Janine Steester. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I am super excited to be joined by not just one, but two people, by the one and only Dr. Janine Steester and Scott Schutte. Uh Janine and Scott, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, We're really for, excited about being here. Thanks for having us on, and, and you nailed the names, which most people mess up, so you're already, yeah. already doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go. I, was, I, was, I practiced it a couple of times, so I made sure I was ready to rock and roll, but today I'm, I'm really I'm excited about every guest that I bring on, but I'm really excited to have you guys on because I know you're going to be able to serve so much of the audience at such a high level with people who have maybe some habits that they know they need to eradicate or improve upon, especially with their health and fitness. But also, I know a lot of the things that you guys talk about today with regard to improving your habits are going to be things that people resonate with on improving habits in other areas of their life as well. So really excited to to touch on habits building and everything, because that's some of the, one of the things that I touch on a lot with clients in my 10-week uh, transformation program as well. But the way I want to kind of start off today is just getting more on you guys and just the quick story on how you guys found that working together was one of the best next steps that both of you guys could make as a kind of career move, if you will. Yeah. So I'll kick this off in the sense of I've been personal training gym owner for close to 20 years now. And, and Dr. J here actually became a, uh, a client of mine. And so I'm one of these guys, like I'm, I'm trying to learn from anybody and everybody, whether it's nutrition or supplementation or mindset, or, you know, I'm seeing doctors and chiropractors and everybody just to learn as much as I can, because I can be a good coach. But the, the biggest thing that I felt that was lacking in the education that I've had and in, in, in really in the fitness industry, working with coaches is more the, the psychology aspect, the, the behavior change part of that. And, and working with Dr. J, um, she can get into her background, is learning about the different things that she does and, and, and finding out like these different modalities that I can use with clients to 
uh, not only like make it so that they, they, they form better habits, but have a better journey along the way, which I think is super important for people to stick with it. Yeah. And, and as Scott said, you know, we connected about 10 years ago and through all lots of conversations and, and, and um, just exploring what each other um, did. Um, there's just that really natural synergy. And for me, you know, my background for the last couple of decades has been researching, teaching, running clinics, and, and just doing direct work with individuals and businesses around behavior change. And I love that facet. I love helping people like get that light bulb to, to click on and go, oh, okay, I don't have to go to these extremes. I can do these small changes. And oh, this is why I'm doing that and all of those things. And for me, getting to work with Scott in, in this fitness and health space um, was really that, that place that I wanted to land in because even when I'm working with other people, whether it's in businesses or other things, if their daily health and wellness is not in a place where they a, want it to be, but also that supports all the rest of the, the goals that they have, I always feel like we're working backwards and in the wrong direction. And so mm-hmm. to really be able to be in this space and help people along that journey, to me, then trickles into everything else in life. And so that was just a natural like, yes, I'm on board. Let's go. Yeah, no, I, I love what you just said there. I think one for everybody to realize, I think I'm so interested in behavior change as well because everybody is essentially on a path of wanting to change their results to a certain degree. I know that's a general, uh, that's a very general way to say it, but and put it. But everybody is essentially looking for different results, and in order to get different results, you have to take different action, and that's all about behavior change in whatever area of your life. And so, if you can understand and begin to apply the different principles of behavior change, you have the ability to improve all different areas of your life. And then I think what you said is so key as well for people to realize and and ensure that they're prioritizing their health and fitness is if like you are not close to the healthiest version of yourself that you can be and the most energetic version of yourself that you can be, then all the other goals are not are going to be lagging behind and they're not going to be all that they could be because of that. And I think that's one of the things that I always try to, you know, preach to people and I always talk about getting closer to the best version of yourself. There's all areas of life, but you've got to have like the health and fitness one in check or else the other ones are just going to lack because of it. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So I kind of want to start off, what what do you think is the first piece of behavior change when it comes to health and fitness that needs to be what people originally start thinking about when they want to make a change, right? So it's like, what is if somebody comes into you and they are wanting to lose weight, what's the first principle of behavior change? that they need to think about in order to get themselves in the right frame of mind? I think the industry is so big on extremes. It's marketed that way. We got 30-day challenges. We got 75-day hard. We got all these different things. And, and one of the first things that we try to teach people is it's minimal effective dose. So what is the least amount that you can change so you can start trending in towards the direction of your goals? So, so many people come and, and I'm still working with people one-on-one and, and, and you, you can tell they're apprehensive because they're like, I know he's going to want me to you know, work out every day. I know he's going to want me to cut out all my drinking and all the food I like and all these things. And there's all this depriva- deprivation model. And you can see they're reluctant. I'm like, listen, if, if I want you to, to still have these things that you enjoy in your life. We just got to make it, find a way to make them work. And so what we're going to just look at is what's the minimum that we can change and then track that based on what your goals are. And we need to be very clear on what the goals are, which is a whole deal in itself. And then with that, if we're training in that direction, we don't need to change anything else. And there might be a point that we need to to add on some more things or tweak some more things, but like, what's the minimum that we can adjust for you to start heading in the right direction? And I think related to that, um, a term from my area and research and all those things is ecological validity. So one of the big things that I talk to people about is, you know, and I always harp on this anyway, is there's so much information. Most people are not short on information. It's so easy to get. Some of it's not great. Some of it's very amazing, but there's so much. And people are like, oh, my sister did this, or I heard on the radio to do this or this kind of plan. And the first thing is ecological validity in the sense of, 
is this what fits into your lifestyle the best? What is consistent with your values, the things that you prioritize, all of those things? Because if you're diving into something that takes you away from social events with your family, and mm-hmm. let's say your family is, is about gathering and sharing food and connecting, and this plan takes you away from that, there's going to be some consequences to that. Either you're not going to stick with it, or you're going to start associating being healthier and feeling better with not having fun with your friends, not connecting all those things that we know are so important. And that falls into that minimal effective dose. What's my current lifestyle? And I might be tweaking it along the way, but what fits best in that, that allows me to make those changes and new habits and, um, and edit a few things. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that piggybacking what he said with what you said, I think is really important because, you know, you want the, like you said, you want the minimal effective dose to be something that fits into what you value. Because one of the things that I know I've had a client do before that kind of falls in this realm is they talked about wanting to lose X number of pounds in a certain number of weeks. And then we talked about what their calendar looks like in between now and the end of that. And they had a sibling's wedding coming up and then they had something else. And I was like, okay, well, you have your sibling's wedding coming up, you know, in order to lose maybe two pounds that week, you're going to have to be really good at that wedding. Are you willing to do that? Like, does, I don't, I don't care what you say, but just be honest with yourself. And so it's, it's things like that. You have to know that you're willing to do, you have to know what you're willing to sacrifice, I think is, is one of the biggest things to, for that ecological validity to come into play for a lot of people. Um, but one of the things, you know, that I, th- I love about the term minimal effective dose is the Minimal is like you got to make sure you start small, but effective is like it's got to work. And I think that effective is super important because if people take the difficult action of eating healthier and exercising and it doesn't, they don't get any results, then they're going to stop. And so, but inevitably with weight loss or any kind of results, whether it's health and fitness in any area of your life, there's usually a gap between actions and results. And they're not usually all, all that closely related in time and space. You know, you have to work out a number of times in, in order to start seeing some weight. You have to start eating healthier day after day after day, and then sometimes a few weeks to start seeing some weight loss. So finally, the question that I'm coming to is, what do you guys do from a behavioral principle point of view? What do you do to keep people patient after having taken some actions before maybe seeing any kind of real results yet? So, uh, and this is something Dr. J talks a lot about, but it's this kind of, uh, you know, process goal versus outcome goal. You know, if, mm-hmm. if we're just waiting on the, the 10 pound weight loss, like this might take three, four months, depending on the person kind of where they're at. Yeah. But, you know, when we talk about minimal effective dose and, and really setting up the stage early on, setting up of our expectations, because so many people are coming in, they're like, okay, I want to lose weight. Great. We will help you lose weight. But our goal this week is because you're low on protein, we're going to add collagen in your coffee in the morning because you're already having coffee in the morning. It, it mixes in really well. So it's be pretty easy for you to do. Um, we're going to look at your big caloric offenders and we'll, um, we'll find a replacement for that. And we'll get into the eats model. Um, one of the, uh, another principle we use uh, later on. And then week after week, we'll measure to see if we're, we're training that way. And so, so one, it's, it's just kind of this, we always talk a lot about empathy and authority. Like this is, this sounds very simple and you've, you've seen people that have lost weight, but it's not necessarily easy because most of the people in the general public, they have, they have work and they have family and they have a lot of other priorities that would, are going to come uh, in front of their, their, their weight loss. They just are. And so if we can just make these small changes and we can, we can celebrate the wins of them making those changes because it's going to be better for their overall health. And it's going to, it's going to contribute to their weight loss long term. And we can celebrate that on a, you know, regular basis, then they'll have more buy-in and then the results will come with that. And we do see the marketing is typically outcome, right? Results like here, they've lost 10 pounds, you know, now they're running a half marathon, whatever the outcome is. But this notion of process goal, what it does is it starts to help your brain understand that this is this is a lifestyle that you're evolving into that is there to sustain. And typically, if you ask somebody, and again, there's some exceptions, I got this reunion, I don't care what I look like afterwards, but I've got to look amazing for the reunion. So there's those people. But by and large, if someone 
if you ask them what they want and they say, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to get stronger or I want to be able to pick up my grandchild, all those are good. And then when do you want to do this by like, okay, next couple months, great. And then after that, do you want to go back to the way you are now? Hardly mm-hmm. anyone's going to say yes. So it's also reframing that is, oh, you want to lose 10 pounds and keep it off? Okay. Now that's our goal. So if then they're mentally like, okay, well, I've been eating good for whatever, however they want to phrase it, like for a couple of weeks and the needle's not moving as fast as I would like. Well, is, is the goal to get it fast and then gain it back or is the goal to get it and keep it? And they'll say, well, I want to get it and keep it. Okay, then we're moving right along here. This is perfect. So if I connect it to a, a process goal, I understand that the pace, like you said really well, does not necessarily... It's not a one-to-one correspondence with an action, right? Like I had my leaner meat today. So I should, the the pound should be off tomorrow, right? It's not a one-to-one. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's really good. I think, you know, reiterating and reminding yourself if, if only have, if all you have is you, but if you're a coach or a trainer or just somebody supporting somebody else in a weight loss goal, it's reminding them of that. And I think, I just think that's really powerful to be like, you don't want to go back to this after, right? And and like continually asking them that question and making them believe that the process is supposed to take a lot of time, but it's it's going to stick. It's going to stick because one of the things that I tell people is success is supposed to take time because it requires you to form the habits necessary to sustain it. You know, people are supposed to take time to wait, lose weight so that when it's off, they can they can actually keep it off. Um, one of the things I want to get into next is re- is some some really practical things that I know a lot of people struggle with when it comes to both kind of their fitness and nutrition. And the first one is just kind of stress management and when it comes to nutrition, either stress management when it comes to snacking, when it comes to sweets, things like that. What are some good tactics that people can use when they maybe find them like two twofold when they find themselves in a state of stress and feel an urge to snack on something bad or grab a sweet how can they not do that but also preemptively how to do things that decrease the likelihood that stress is going to come up in the first place yeah it's a great question because we have an assessment that we work with our clients and it's a 10 part and it's a self-evaluation where you're at where you want to be at in 12 weeks and one of them on there is stress management and nutrition is on there as well but if if their stress management is is has a higher gap than the nutrition then that's something that we work on before we get into nutrition because nutrition is hard to change when people are very stressed like you said like mm-hmm. people are gonna get stressed Cortisol is going to go out. If I have a higher carbohydrate meal, that's going to help bring that down temporarily. So it's it's an immediate reward yeah. for having this emotion. And so if we can work with clients on that uh, initially, and that's where we, we focus on before we even get to the nutrition part, is we have better success. So to answer your question, how do we do that? Um, and this is what, you know, because we, we coach coaches on how to do this. And then we're like, oh, I don't want to get into people's all their stress and stuff like that. I'm not a therapist. It's more about like, we talk about fi- helping clients find ways to do more enjoyable activities every day. And so it's, it's having these conversations of like, what do you, you know, what do you do for fun or what did you do for fun? And, and it's fun playing this game too, because like, I got one guy, he's getting back into guitar lessons. I got one woman, she's like, I get 15 minutes every day, Epsom salt bath. You know, my, my husband's watching the kids. So it's having these little things every day because we, we can't tell you to take all these stressors out. Like work is stressful. Kids are stressful. Life can be stressful. It's just, so we need to find some things that we look forward to. There's things that we can enjoy on a daily or weekly basis to throw in there. Um, the other side, and this is what I see a lot of times, this is more the, the physiological side. Sometimes I see people that are, are, are dieting down or eating too low for too many days. And so that's mm-hmm. another thing I have to look at too, because some people they're like, you know, the, we see it, we call it the, the five, two, zero diet. It's the five days on a diet, two days off the weekend. And then, you know, zero change It's where five days are at a big calorie deficit weekend comes and they have the opportunity for more food and they've restricted food by so much. Like that's also another stressful too. So making sure that people are getting enough quality food in, so they're not cutting back too much. So it's not this back and forth. So those are kind of my two main things for that. And kind of from the behavior science to, to couple on that or to add on to that is there's a couple of things. One is, is that there's a paradigm of stimulus response and they're highly correlated. And so what happens is, is over the course of our life and experiences, we create these pairings. 
So at some point, if I was stressed and I ate this high carbohydrate and it served and I was a little bit more relaxed and it just felt good, right? I paired now stress management with the snacking. So one of the things that people, I hear people say is, oh, I, I can't stop myself or is this just a bad habit or I was bad. And I really try to shift that mindset and say, no, you've created a stimulus response system that your brain is now used to. And all we need to do is start to disconnect that a little bit and pair it with something else. So to Scott's point about what do you do for fun or something like that, what are, what are some of the things that you enjoy? And some people have given up things that they've enjoyed because they, they picked up a, a job or those kind of things or kiddos got in the way. And it doesn't mean like, oh, well, I enjoy traveling for two weeks at a time. That might be a push. But what are, do you like reading travel blogs? Do you like watching travel shows? Like what are small ways that you can build that in? And then you start pairing the, the stressor the, the stimulus with a different response. And the more often you do that, you start to pair and then your brain will naturally go to that new response that's been paired as opposed to the old one. The other behavior science-y thing that we work a lot with clients and, and teach others to use is, and Scott referenced it before, it's the EATS model. And a big part of that is behavior doesn't persist if it doesn't serve a purpose. So and we've got decades and decades of research for that. So when we're trying to change a behavior, and the EATS model stands for E is escape, attention, A is attention, T is tangible, and S is sensory. And Scott will talk about this all the time where you can just ask people like, hey, when you're late, late night snacking, and this is a behavior you want to shift and, and whatever, are you doing it to escape because you have been stressed and you just want to numb and just kind of have something like that? Are you doing it because your spouse is having a snack and it's a way and you guys both love, I would say like the, you know, guac and chips or something like that. And it's a connection. So attention, it serves that purpose. Is it because I've worked hard all day and I feel like a treat? I deserve something. So in retail therapy can work for this too, but a little more expensive. Um, and that's your tangible or sensory. I really, really enjoy the taste or the carbonation to this beer or whatever it is. If I understand which one of those I'm doing a particular behavior at a particular time for, then the replacement, that response that I'm trying to repair um, with the stimulus, mm. I'm going to do a better job of that, right? If I like the carbonation of the beer, just the overall kombucha might be a nice, if it's sensory, might be a fine replacement. If I'm doing it to escape and numb and the alcohol is doing that, kombucha is probably not going to do squat mm. for that. <laughs> mm. But if I love guitar or the Epsom salt bath or something like that. So pairing, and that's what you'll hear a lot of people say is I tried this, I tried that, I tried that. And I keep going back. And I'm like 90% of the time, that's because all the things you tried didn't match up with the purpose and behaviors don't persist if they're not serving a purpose, even purposes that we think are not necessarily uh, particularly positive. Right. If it's serving as a purpose, we will continue to do it. No, that's that's really good. I, I love how you identified the number of purposes that people have for their bad habits. And I really would encourage all of you guys to write those things down. The the uh, eats method or what it what it eats. What you call it? We call it the eats model. So it's the four eats functions model. of behavior. It's the science behind it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you guys can write those down and then identify the habits that you want to eradicate and then come up with a better response that solves or, or gives you the same purpose or solves the same problem, then uh, you're going to be well on your way to hopefully minimizing or, or eradicating that habit. Um, one of the things I want to get into next that I'm curious about, and I think it's always a fine line when you're trying to help somebody, it's does the, the ending question, I'm going to say more before I end up asking it, but the question is going to be, does the decision to want to change have to come from the person, like 100% have to come from the person, or can somebody kind of push them along? You know, for example, I know people who I want to try to get into my program because I know where they're at and I know the pain that they're experiencing and I want to help eradicate that for them, but sometimes they're not quite there yet. Personally, you know, they have other things going on in their life and mentally they're not quite ready for it yet. And so sometimes I, I realize that and I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to 
push them too far. They might be ready in another couple months. And so I'm going to wait for that. And so I'm going to wait for the decision to be closer to 100% theirs rather than 50% theirs, 50% mine, if you will. And, you know, I'm just kind of throwing out rough percentages. But does it, and I'm, again, just kind of throwing out rough percentages, can you get somebody to change if it's 75% their decision and 25% yours? Should you get them to change if it's 60% theirs, 40% yours? Like, just riff a little bit on that idea around the ownership of the decision. I think it's 77.2%. (laughs) Let me talk a little science and then I'll let Scott kind of talk about what how he approaches that. That what we know from the research is that yes, intrinsic motivation, so within from me, from the person, is what is going to sustain that behavior. Extrinsic, intrinsic, extrinsic from the outside motivation can help launch someone and it can support. So the way I break that down briefly in the example that you gave is if you're encouraging someone to try something, you're bringing them along, or let's say you have a loved one, a friend, somebody, and you're going to group classes and you're like, God, they would be so good for them and da, da, da. You might be the catalyst to get them started. And that's that extrinsic motivation. They're making it for you to be happy or, you know, like to make you happy. They'll come along this time, or you offer to buy them lunch afterwards, whatever it is. And, and you might be that catalyst for a bit, but at some point they have to make it intrinsic to themselves. Mm. And if, if you are helping a client in your example, or if it's a, if somebody is just trying to get a friend or someone else, the key over time is just, again, based on just my experience and Scott will have his own take on it as well. The key over time is that you might bring them in and say, hey, you're going to find this is fun. It's something we can do together, whatever. But then start asking them what they see the benefits of, what, what, mm-hmm. what part of this experience felt good to them. Where can they vision it? Because the reason that they keep going might be different than yours. So the problem is, is when we keep telling somebody the same reason we grabbed them in for over time, if it's not connecting with why they might be there, it won't stick. But if you allow and support them to kind of make connections for themselves as to why this is good, then then it becomes intrinsic and much more likely to sustain. Yeah. And, and my two thoughts on this, the first one is, and this is Dr. J talks a lot about habit stacking. And it's one of those things to say you go into a workout class and you know the, the first thing is, is, is just having someone go to the facility just to see it. And then the next time they go to the facility and then they watch a class. And then the next time they go to the facility, they, they watch a class and they just contribute for a little bit on there. And so just kind of adding little things on there and, and just giving them a piece of it. Because for, for so many people, just the, the getting started is, is very intimidating. Going to a fitness facility, working out is very intimidating for people because nobody wants to look dumb when they're doing stuff. And so many people that that haven't been working out regularly or they're self-conscious because they're holding some extra weight or something like that. Like they, they want to be secure with that. So if you can just build these like little steps on there, it's a way to kind of get them going. Now, again, long-term, it has to be intrinsic with that, but I feel like that's a good way to, to, to start that. The other thing, and, and this is kind of more my approach when I'm either marketing for myself or my, my facility or talking to friends and family is like, I, I want to be a, um, a resource and I want to be a role model but I, at the same time, I don't want to be a, a burden or, you know, feel preachy at the same time. So my big thing is always like giving the information. And when people are ready, just being there and, and being very excited and empathetic that they're, you know, they're, they're insecure about it. They want to get started. And for the majority of the population, our brains are naturally wired for routine and the known versus the unknown. We get excited about the unknown, but from an action standpoint, routine, stability, the known is is much easier driver for us. So also just appreciating the fact that that we're typically naturally wired to go more with what we know or what we've done, Mm -hmm. even if we don't love those habits. Even if sitting on the couch at night for three hours, we know it's bad and we just, you know, or or we beat ourselves up about it, we're still gonna naturally go to that versus go to that class. So when we're trying to encourage other people, understanding that that change and that ambiguity and all of those things are just naturally wired for us to go, mm, no. And so being very patient 
um, with that and allowing people to start to think about it and all of the steps that Scott talked about, yeah. it's fine. It, this isn't that unknown. I got this. And it just allows people to build on to, to feeling more comfortable with that change. Yeah. Like it's just gradually taking on the unknown, gradually taking on the uncertainty so that you're only taking on a little bit of it. And so you tackle it little by little and then it just yeah, it becomes a lot less daunting and a lot less uncertain. You know, one of the things that you you mentioned is we've mentioned is how it is intimidating sometimes to go into a new atmosphere, and that's somewhat correlated to the excuse that I've heard a lot of people say, and you guys probably have as well. Is I don't want to get started yet. I'm not in good enough shape to get started yet. <laughs> it's like what? And so, what is the you know, psychology or behavior change tactic, I guess, that either a coach can help the person who feels that way overcome that hurdle, or at the same time, talking to somebody who's hearing this right now who has thought the exact same thing, how can they begin to break down that thought process of, I'm not fit enough yet to get started? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. My name is Felina Wapner, and I joined the 10-week program to um, just kind of kickstart my next round of fitness in the new year, um, help build some more of the micro habits, because that's I've been really into trying to build smaller habits that really build over time. The next program seemed great for that, and that's why I decided to join. A lot of my goals over the past 10 weeks have been mainly to build those consistent good habits, so getting to bed early, making sure I'm drinking water eating more healthy foods, but being specific about that. So um, vegetables, like good proteins, healthier carbs. And the tracking system that Nick has set up is super great to really make sure that you're being very consistent over time. I'm excited that I've hit a lot of my, my progress indicators through time because overall my goal was just to kind of rebalance how I'm thinking about and about food just in relation to the activities that I'm doing um, and how I'm kind of you know living my day-to-day life so that those are kind of my, my main goals um, and they've been, they've been really my favorite part of the program has been definitely coming to work out twice a week with all the all the other women that have been working out in our group um, it's Super fun to have a nice, like, good motivating group. Everybody here is super supportive of each other. It definitely kind of gets me going earlier in the morning when, which I was very glad that Nick opened at 8 a.m. because 5 a.m. it just like was never gonna happen. <laughs> you should join Nick's 10 week program. Well, it's as someone that's you know I've owned a fitness facility for 12 plus years, and it's this is the exact same thing I used to make fun of, but. We, we actually have a service now. It's We call it our lifestyle coaching, also known as like weight loss behavior coaching, where people just meet with us at our facility. We do one-on-one conversations and we talk about basically what they're doing outside the gym. They're not even, they're not even starting to work out with us because we do hear that I'm not in good enough shape to start working out, but anyone can start with just improving their steps. Um, we can talk about like what is in their current routine that they might be lacking. It could be water, it could be protein, it could be vegetables. And then, you know, if the goal is to lose weight, we can start looking at those, those big caloric offenders and, and use the eats model to find replacements for that. So there's some people that I'll meet with for, you know, 12 weeks on a weekly basis and just work on these different things. And it's amazing how much progress they'll make during that time. And then at that, that, that point, they feel more confident in what they've uh, achieved and they feel more comfortable in my space. And like, now I'm ready to start working out. So it's kind of a, it, it can be a, just a transition of just talking about what they're doing. Of course, there's got to be some action in there of like what works for them, but it could be just as easy of increasing the steps, increasing water intake, finding a replacement for a caloric offender. And we can see really good changes with that. I think the other thing, and especially if people are listening that have that in their head, right? Like I'm not in good enough shape yet to do this is it's, it's really about, it's 
it's in back to process, but it's really about finding a community environment that works for you. And so think about starting a new job. Most of us don't know what we're doing going into a new job. Even if we have experience with some of the things that, that the company's different, the software's different, no. the rules are different. And the reason that a lot of times people say like, yeah, that's where I want to work or whatever, or, or makes or breaks those first couple of weeks is that people are kind. It feels like they belong there. They're welcome there. And all the details about what you know and how, how quickly you can do the job and all that stuff, that, that comes in time. But it's, I feel comfortable coming here, being vulnerable and being accepted. And so the other thing I always tell people is find a space that you feel accepted in because going to the gym is not about looking a certain way. It's about the experience in the gym, moving your body and having a positive experience. And so if you've had some negative ones in the past or you're worried about it, try a few things out. If there's a free class or there's a starter or initiation, something, try it and see if it fits you. And if not, there's so many models out there. find that. And, and it's not just for people that are technically have no experience in the gym or whatever. I, I've been working out for most of my adult life. And there've been a few times where I've moved into a new location and I've gone to a gym and it's like, oh, it's got all the equipment and stuff like that. And I went in and it was like, mm, no, you know, girls lift weights over here. Or there was just some other culturally just um, something that didn't make me feel like I was very welcome in what I wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, I need to go find a different group that is more fits me, my people. Um, and so give yourself some grace and try things out. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Uh, one of the things I want to get, a, get practical with before I kind of go into the last question is simply, and this is not necessarily just a behavior change thing. It, 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 you could probably find a way to interweave some of that knowledge in there. But what are some practical things that you guys use with clients around eating while on the go and eating at at restaurants cuz you know so many people will be held back by that they're like I'm I'm great when I'm if I can be home and I can make lunch and I can make dinner but when I'm on the go and, and kids have tournaments and games and I got to be at this and then I have a happy hour and I'm always in the car or in a restaurant and that causes me to fall off so what are some strategies to make sure that those obstacles while not completely of they're really not completely avoidable. Sometimes you can avoid it every once in a while, but often they're unavoidable. So how can we overcome those obstacles so they don't prevent us to, from getting us to our goals? Yeah, and, and so what's tough about this is it's it's very individual in the sense of when we talk about the minimal effect of dose, that's going to be very different from person to person. So don't think that since you're um, on the go a lot that you have to completely change everything. Like if someone's like traveling a lot on the weekend, I'm like, well, let's just, let's just make sure that the week's really dialed in. Don't even worry about the weekend right now. And we'll see if we're training in the right direction. If we just do that and we're training in the right direction, then we don't even have to worry about that weekend. Now, if, if they're not and they're say they're putting on weight or they're not losing, we might have to dial that then. Um, and again, there's, there's a lot of hacks for replacements on snacks and stuff like that. And, and in, in eating out for some people, like if, if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to be, you know, 8% body fat, I want to get super lean, like eating out might not be an option for someone because there's so many added calories in there on certain places, but I don't have that conversation with the majority of my people because they're just looking to lose weight. They're looking mm-hmm. to be healthier. They're looking to feel better. And if we get to a point where we're stalled, we can do that. But it's really just taking, you know, where you're at, um, adjust what you do have control over. Don't worry about everything. And then see if you're trending in the right direction. If you are, that might be good enough to to get you where you want to go. And I think I would add that, you know, and Scott talked about budgeting and sort of just thinking ahead. Like, am I giving myself some bandwidth so that I, I can handle the things that I can't control, a little extra calories or fat or whatever it is. But the other big thing that I talk to people about is even if it's sitting in the car for two minutes before you go into the restaurant or the event or whatever it is, and ask yourself what the purpose of this eating out is or happy hour or whatever, what do I want to get out of it? And what I mean by that is if I'm walking into a happy hour and I get to see some people I haven't seen for a while, or I get to connect with them is is the main reason I am going is to connect with those people. Mm. And, And it is. 
what do what do I need to have an enjoyable time with those people? And is it, gosh, this place also serves amazing margaritas and I'm just jonesing to have one. That's great. Do I need to have more than one? And maybe the answer is yes, but maybe the answer is like, no, as long as my friends are there and I get to talk and whatever, it can often help you then edit a little bit. And it's easier to kind of go water, margarita, water, margarita, or something like that. But it's when people go into environments and they haven't spent a lot of time just having an intention for it, it, mm. it, it the behaviors become automatic and just get another one or I'm eating more of the chips or whatever's around my kid's soccer team. You know, we all went to Subway or whatever and everybody's ordering and I haven't thought about what I need. And again, I've. I'm a mom. I've done all of those things. And if I just stop for a second and go, okay, we're here for the team, getting everybody fed. What do I want out of this? And what do I need? It becomes a lot easier to start making some choices about that and then focus on the other aspects of it. So it's just a small little thing that can kind of over time really be helpful. Oh yeah, for sure. I think like you said, having intention and realizing the purpose for some of these different things. Cause I was literally just talking to uh, a client a couple hours ago and she's somebody who's just trying to drink a little bit less alcohol. And she was saying how she was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm drinking a lot of nights during the week, but I know I don't have to drink to be social. I'm just kind of doing it because it's just what we're doing. But I don't know. I know I don't have to feel like I have to drink in order to actually be social. And I think that goes back to remembering the intention and the purpose behind what it is that you're doing. Um, but before I get into the, the last question, uh, Janine, I want to kind of direct this question towards you because I think this is something that I, I don't know why I think about it a lot, but I do from a parenting standpoint of wanting to have your kids eat healthy, but you're not crazy about it as a, as a parent and making them absolutely hate eating healthy because you're trying to force that broccoli and stuff down their throat. I know it's kind of a big question, but how do you best approach that balance of encouraging them to eat healthy and making sure they eat healthy because you know the importance of it, but not making it crazy on them? Yeah. And there's all of these like great things that you can read about, but, but it is complicated, not only because life and parenting and kiddos, but also your kiddos can be very different. And I'll, and I'll even say like my two boys, the one is a very picky eater and has since the day he just came out of the womb, I'm not sure, but it just has been consistently. The other one is a little bit more like whatever, you know, variety. But where I'm going with that is, so their journeys have been slightly different with that. But the couple of big things is this course modeling, anything with parenting and raising children and mine are old enough now where I can see the stuff I modeled before pays off later. You don't always see it at the moment. It's just not making a big deal about like, oh, we're going to eat healthy tonight. We're cooking some lean, like not making it a big deal, but almost just mm -hmm. this is who we are and how we are. And the other, but with modeling is, because um, I've seen this kind of the other way where I've had some parents like, we only get salads and I only eat this. And then they think to be healthy, there's only like three foods that you can eat, like chicken, broccoli, and a salad. And like, that's it. And so having a variety, celebrating that, editing out things, maybe not having all the breads and all the extra things that maybe aren't necessary at the time. And then getting excited about different flavor profiles, trying different foods, things like that, I think is, um, and then the other part of that in, is sometimes if my kids didn't feel good after a birthday party or after something, I'm like, you know, you don't look like you feel very good. Okay. You know, um, did, what'd you eat? And then they might be like, well, I had cookies and then we had cake and then we got ice cream. And then it was like, okay. And I was like, wow, that stuff sounds delicious. Was it good? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, but you don't feel very good right now. I was like, no. And I was like, that's a lot of sugar, like right there. And so sometimes it makes me feel better if I have a little less of it. Or So it's just some sort of connecting them with their bodies, how they feel when they got into sports or they wanted to go do something, whatever. We just talked about food that was energy. Oh, that sounds like fun. You're going to go hang out with your friends. You're going to go to this trampoline park or whatever like that. Let's, you know, let's get you fueled up so that, you know, you can bounce higher than everybody else or whatever their gig is. So yeah. just kind of connecting that way. And those are often just educating, but just celebrating and making it like 
exciting. And then the over the top stuff is just once in a while and doesn't, and is not every day, but it's also not taboo. Because if you know anything about kids and human behavior, right? Something's taboo. The minute I can have it, I'm going to try it. And then I probably won't moderate it. (laughs) All right. All right. That's, that was great. I I think there's a lot of those things that you pointed out were super, super practical and definitely helpful for a lot of people who are listening because there are a lot of parents and and moms in particular that listen to this that are going to, uh, that I know have that issue and are thinking about that issue as well. Um, But before going into the last question, I just want to acknowledge you guys because I really believe that this is the missing component in our industry. You know, it's not just everybody can, everybody to a certain degree knows what to do or could easily go figure out what to do, but it's the how to do it that's always has been missing. And the how to do it is exactly what you guys are working on. It's exactly what you guys are trying to fix and not just put a Band-Aid on, but fix internally people's psychology so that they can consistently continue to take action the right way so that their results can um, can stay long-term. So I want to acknowledge you guys for that. And uh, make sure you guys go follow them uh, on Instagram at Janine or at Dr. Janine Steester, which is D-R-J-A-N-I-N-E-S-T-I-C-H-T-E-R, which will be linked up in the show notes. But for you guys, you're just going to type it in right now. Make sure you get that. And then make sure you follow uh, Scott as well at uh, at scott.shooty, uh, S-C-O-T-T dot S-C-H-U-T-T-E. Um, and then make sure, like I said, go to healthybehavioristitute.com to learn more about what they're doing with their program that they're particularly targeting to help other coaches be able to practice these things, but are obviously going to bring a lot of value to you guys as well. And their coaches that they get certified will be able to bring so much value, so much of this value to their clients as well. But is there any other place that people should go learn more about you guys and, and support you guys? Well, really, they can they can learn a lot on we we're on podcasts and YouTube where it's becoming the ultimate coach with the doc and the doc, and we go over a lot of different um, issues there, kind of like what we're doing here, just uh, going over a subject and just talking about um, different ways that we 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 approach it from the the physiological and the psychology or the psychological side. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure to get that stuff linked up in the show notes. But last question is, it's a little bit different from what we've been talking about. It's for, it's for both of you guys personally. And it's, I believe that to get closer to the best version of ourselves, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we ever actually get to the best version of ourselves. I think that finish line just continues to move, move and move. Um, and so for you guys personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to the best version of yourself, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on for each of you guys? Dr. J, you want to kick oh, this no, one off? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, the processor. Yeah. He's the like go. So it's kind of a running joke uh, for us. So, so, so three things to make a better version of me. Like one thing that we're working on and we're starting to get is, is more speaking engagements. And, and that's just a whole skill set in itself. And, and we, we have lots of, of great knowledge, but, you know, being able to, to, present that and, and give it so people have takeaways, people are kind of clear on what, you know, what they can do next. And, and, and really it's got to be a bit entertaining as well, because we go to a lot of different conferences and we've seen a lot of different styles. So just like learning that. So just really the, the speaking education. One of the things that uh, Dr. J also does is she, she works with, with businesses on really the, uh, the communication of like leaders to employees. And, and so really my, my communication style um, as you can probably pick up a little bit through this, is a, I'm, I'm pretty kind of short, I'm to the point, not a lot of bread, as she was saying, I'm just kind of giving the meat. And so like my, my communication style, whether it's in my, uh, um, my, my family's life, my friends at work, you know, it's, it's one thing that I'm constantly working on because uh, it's, it's kind of like thinking of people in their love languages, just because I'm short and to the point, other people want a little bit more <laughs> than that. Um, especially my wife. Um, so that's, that's something I can work on. And then, um, my, my third thing is I have a son that's about ready to turn two, and it's easy for me to kind of get um, caught into doing more work or getting caught up in social media or something like that. So just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good about being present, but it's one thing I could definitely be better at of, of enjoying those times because everyone says it. And I understand it of like, this time is going to go by super fast and he's at a super fun age right now. So like working on, on being more present there is, is those are my three 
um, without any processing. Um, I gave Dr. J plenty of time to process now to think through hers uh, that I can improve on. Um, so I think that one of mine is definitely um, also my children. They're now young adults. And, um, and it's so interesting to watch their journey into being young adults. And I think that I'm continuing to try to figure out how I can still be the best parent to them in the sense of support, role modeling, um, but also giving them their space and then encouraging them. So that's that to me is always an evolution that I'm always going to work on. At the start of the day, became a parent, and I don't think that that will end. I think that another part that um, I'm always I love listening to people's stories, their pain points, their celebrations and their successes across multiple facets of life, because it helps me learn more about the vocabulary that people are using, how they articulate their their, um, pain points, their celebrations. And then I think it makes me better at what I do because I'm understanding the language that they use. And Scott talked about my work with communication and leaders and things like that. And there's so many facets where some of the problems and the issues that exist have to do with just communication and the Mm -hmm. way that we talk to each other, the way that we interpret words. And so I'm always working on being a better understander of not only just hearing the words that people use, but trying to understand what they're saying with those words and not coming in with my biases of what those words or what those phrases mean. And again, Mm -hmm. I think that that's always uh, an ultimate um, challenge. And then I'm just excited to continue to grow in this health, wellness, and fitness area and um, continue to, Scott talked about speaking, be a better teacher and continue to be a better listener and and then just continue to learn and grow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, those were three great things from both of you guys, both who had to time to process and both who uh, did not have the time to process. But uh, appreciate you guys joining today. I know that a lot of people got a ton of value from a lot of the practical things that we talked about in, in order to improve their habits and also just kind of the general principles of behavior change as well. So you guys need to make sure if you did not take notes, make sure you write things down like the the eats. Uh, gosh almighty, I should have remembered. What did you guys call it? The eats model? Yeah, mm-hmm. eats model. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, and, and different things like that so that you can actually move forward and, and take action differently um, post-podcast. So appreciate you guys joining today, but that's all we got. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Man, I hope you guys found that super helpful. I loved what they talked about with regard to minimal effective dose, ecological validity, the EATS model, modeling behavior for your kids, and so much more. There was so much practical knowledge in there that I really hope that you're excited to apply in your own life like I know that I am. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member while you're listening who is also on a weight loss journey themselves. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And remember, be process focused, not outcome focused. Define the outcome that you want first, yes, but then let following through with the promises that you make to yourself, aka the process, be the things that fulfills you and sustains you. But for now, it's time. It's time to know your intrinsic motivation and surround yourself with extrinsic motivators so that you can continue to improve your habits and continue to get closer and closer to your best you. Have.